Hi guys and welcome back to the Building Financial Fitness Podcast. I have back with me again um, Daniel, who is the founder and CEO of Get, Asia's first neobank for children. And today we're talking about a slightly different topic, and this is on the security in youth-oriented financial platforms. Welcome back again, Daniel. Hi, hi, Janice. Awesome to be here. You know, so when we think about financial scams or even like certain demographics that's being targeted, we often think about the older generation, especially given the fact that they are not technologically savvy and they're not so adept at recognizing um, financial scams. But I wanted to pick your brain mm. on whether or not we are overlooking the fact that maybe children are also susceptible to scams and um, what parents can look out for. So given you know that you are very deep into this space, yeah, the first question is, do you see them as a susceptible group? Yeah, d- definitely. Uh, in so many ways that they're vulnerable. I mean, psychologically, in terms of like the algorithms in their brain about how they should perceive and think about certain things, to um, you know, even you could say physically as well, to even just the exposure that they do not have control over, you know, their social media platforms as well, and so in so many different ways. So yes, yes, I do, I do think that they're very, very vulnerable generation, and uh, my belief is, um, yeah, with with kind of the resources we have, how can we protect those that do not understand? So with regards to financial scams, there's a lot of it, right? So what do you think are the ones that are more um, common mm. for the younger generation? Definitely. I think this generation is they're quite energetic, quite ambitious, what we've seen. And, and I love that a lot of them truly want to do something creative and that will come in manifest in the form of trying to sell, you know, things on consumer to consumer platforms like Carousel, mm. um, you know, set up their own shops, set up their own brands, or even just try to have a lot of different side hustles, find a way to make money. And I think that's a good motivation to have and we should give them the tools so they can do so as well and explore. But I think it comes at the risk of either they can get too ambitious and they can scam other people through their, through their sales. You know, as a teenager, you know, you, your mind something does not know the limit. Um, mm. And I think, but also on the other end, if you're trying to get a good buy, you might just be so impulsed into making a transaction that you don't actually even have the right questions in the mind or how to even assess or discern like if this is genuine transaction on some kind of life. So yeah, I think e-commerce scams is the biggest one that we've seen. Mm. Yeah. So you see the younger generation both as the victims and perpetrators of e-commerce scams. Well, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if it's the biggest proportion to the perpetrators in Singapore, but I, th- I think they're very vulnerable and susceptible to have a thinking that could lead them to do so, yeah. Mm. yeah. I guess, you know, from a parental perspective, like how can they better teach their children to be able to detect those? And, and I say this yeah in the light of the increasing savviness and complexity of scammers. And if you layer onto that, just the advance of technology, just being able to mimic a lot of interfaces that look very real, even for adults, you know, it's sometimes difficult for us to be able to detect um, what's a scam and what's not. Yeah. I mean, this is first assuming that the parents even have the um you know capability themselves or the under knowledge to even discern like what is a scam or not and i think uh yeah, overall singapore is re- really one of the countries that does a really great job of putting emphasis and protecting adults and um, older people and like h- how do you kind of judge that uh, i have a personal opinion about how parents should even comment uh, about their kids kind mm-hmm. of behavior on, on on their money so 
I think it's it starts off with the 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 heart from the parents that the kids and two things the kids and teens do not understand everything right now. So be kind of kind mm-hmm. and, and and nice to them because if we you know get angry at them, yell at them, scold them uh, for for making a mistake, it, it just might mean that they're always going to have this anxiety associated with money, and that might just carry on with them. But also have the understanding that making mistakes and hopefully it's in an environment where, you know, it is guided mm-hmm. that making those small mistakes today are better than making those in the future. You know, there are guardrails that it now with get, which can limit kind of how big those mistakes are anyways. But given the way that the world is moving and, and how vulnerable the young people are, old people are, um, how dynamic and how creative a lot of those scamming strategies are, um, there needs to be tools that um, can you know, help them be better at drawing the money, but, but also protecting it as well. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So from from your experience, I mean, just having been in this for, you know, yeah. a good amount of time, sure. are there any stories that can that you can share in this realm? Mm. When we first launched, we did um, yeah, notice that there was quite a few e-commerce scam reports that did from the community, and it wasn't just from the Get platform itself. Mm. We just kind of saw that our customers could be, vulnerable to scams, but also could be the ones that are initiating it in the community as well. Mm. From that, we had a responsibility to put in place banners and messaging warnings about the implications, the, the repercussions of doing certain things, but um, also ha- how a lot of infographics about how you might assess whether something is a scam or not. And now, we barely have any scams, so I would say that it, it's been pretty effective in that. Um, the second thing, we, we have this interesting story. I was talking to a parent, 43-year-old doctor who's using our for the two kids about mm. 10 and 14 and she says that um one thing she loves about get core is when her 14 year old daughter sophia was like spending mcdonald's at orchard she gets a little push notification mm-hmm. saying that okay sophia just spent 14 dollars at mcdonald's like uh, ion for example and um that that was special not from the sense of okay just monitoring and understanding the transactions but she commented that she recently felt like she lost touch with her kids mm. and uh, get was the only vehicle in which she could understand what they're thinking about and what they're doing and um i think that understanding the emotional uh and, and the desires of their kids heart is important because that could lead to some intentions that could could be connected to different scams and things as well uh, from a consumer perspective or from a perpetrator's standpoint that's interesting. So, what did that fourteen dollar meal at McDonald's teach her? <laughs> yeah, so I think I think it's it could mean a lot of things. It could mean like eating habits, it, even just one thing that that's parents really care about. Um, it's a high requested feature that we're trying to work out is even if they go to a Seven Eleven, what is the receipt breakdown of mm. what they're actually buying as well? Mm. Um, so I, I think eating habits is one thing, but yeah, it could be different brands and stores that you're buying from. You know, in different fashion categories or even in f- different types of food you eat, different games you're playing, different entertainment. Mm. Um, I, I could tell a kind of a narrative or you could get, a, parents can get a vibe or some sort of better understanding about the, the kid, the kid's heart. Yeah, I mean, I think like, I mean, it's not just children, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I think that if we look at anybody's yeah. paper trail in terms yeah. of the what they're spending on yeah. and if there's any deviation from their normal, I think that actually kind of starts to paint a story of, yeah. you know, how if, if there's any <laughs> deviations of behavior and i i think that's that's very fascinating mm. and, and and it brings me to it actually reminded me of a point of children know they are i mean clearly they are very smart and they know that what's being tracked and what's being not and and i remember mm. back then uh, lo- sort of like looking into the you know like the gaming credit cards that you right. get at convenience stores 
a lot of it is like, you know, gaming credits, right? And usually that gaming aspect, you know, like the last time we talked about this, you say a lot of money is being spent on gaming, mm. 40% right? entertainment, which includes gaming. Yeah. And actually, children try to hide it mm. from their parents. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes they manage to, you know, maybe collate their ang pao money or, you know, whatever, like physical cash. And then they kind of have their own private stash and they use it to, to you know, buy the things that they don't want their parents to, to know about. Yeah. So that would be actually outside of the GET ecosystem. Mm. So as much as I know that, you know, the platform cannot track those like cash-based transactions, mm. can we even try to put some guardrails around it or not? I think it's very hard to to do it hundred percent. So I, I think in a world where like all money is becoming electronic, I mm. think it's, it's just getting harder to like hide things and like have things not monitored. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a feature in the app where the parents for the money that they they have loaded up and have dispersed, so the the kids get get accounts that uh, that they can't withdraw from the ATM and, and convert it into cash. Mm. Um, so whatever money's there, they can spend. You know, obviously, if the kids want to take an extra mile to transfer it somewhere else and then you know figure out the the routes. That's possible, but it is having all the money in a digital platform where it is ordered is creating those speed bumps. But but I think that actually from, from what we've noticed is that many of the kids and teens and their parents and their parents are okay with their kids gaming, but it's just not overboard mm. to the extent where, okay, if they receive $50 pocket money in a week, they're, they're spending all that and, and not eating lunch as well. Mm. Um, and I think that's good because it's shifting the relationship between parents and kids to much more one that everything's on the table and they can discuss like okay fine you need to have your fun you need to have your game but it's not overboard because i think where the parents and the kids don't become aligned it, it usually becomes the extremities in the directions in summary it's hard to 100 percent. yeah and there's always going to be a portion of kids and teenagers that are a bit more naughty um, mm. and, and will go the extra mile yeah, yeah, I think I think it draws back to I guess you know what are the principles that a parent have managed to inculcate in their children, however young, for them to be able to look out for themselves, and that extends beyond financial education, right? Kind of like colors every aspect of their lives. But I, I wanted to ask about the magnitude of the transaction because you said that you know right now you know our interaction or the younger generation's interaction with with payments yeah. is really a lot of it's digital, right? And we've sort of like lost a bit of that, you know. Whenever we're handing over money, you know, last time we was have like wads of cash, then we'll know like this is like a large magnitude versus like a little amount of money. Yeah. Do you think there's any issue with regards to like you know the younger population grappling with the idea of like magnitude? So if we're in the scam, like maybe for them like. Oh, twenty thousand dollars is just a number. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting point, actually. To be honest, I haven't really thought thought about if they would consider like uh, relatively to a hundred dollars in note or a hundred dollars on the screen. Mm. Um, we could probably all ask ourselves like that question and have some rest resonation with that. Yeah, I, I think just even myself, um, and I think why I, I I do find it important to kind of build this out and to teach, uh, in this digital age as well is that I, I would think that pixels are just feel more fluid and lightweight than a physical <laughs> bundle of cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but because there is a literal and figurative way to actually uh, handing over cash. And of course, like, you know, I guess, you know, for the young generation, as, as we, yeah. as we mm. move forward, that habit or that culture of cash passing, you know, passing yeah. hands is is going to be fewer and for, you know, like people are not going to be familiar with that. But I think the the kids and the teenagers, the children of this age are very, very intelligent. So there is this idea, uh, even in the children tech space of 
the idea of the merge mm. um, where, and I use this term last time of like a cyborg baby, the mm -hmm. idea that um, a kid without a smartwatch or digital payment account or like a learning through iPad, uh, even at home, they're, they're disadvantaged to those without, without those. Mm. And so because of the competitive nature, like the entire generation are just pretty much going to be growing up with technology embedded from day zero, day one, day two. Yeah, because I mean, with regards to UI, for example, like Robinhood, which has been really exemplary and kind of gamifying the whole like stock trading and experience, making yeah. it super simple and so gamified to the extent that you know, for younger people interacting with it, they, you know, when if they trade on such a stock, they don't actually realize the severity of it because for them it's like a game. Yeah. So, mm. you know, yeah. when when I was young, when I was like playing games, you're playing Sims or you're any kind of in wall game where you are accumulating a lot of currency and you're used to seeing like twenty two hundred million dollar, yep. that kind of thing. And I think the same with the virtual experience, right? Where you're just seeing a number with additional number of zeros in it. Yeah. So I, I think I think. Um... Firstly, these kids and teens, they're already, but we are also playing a part in helping them. I wouldn't say, kind of get desensitized with the shock of what money looks like, you know, mm. when they're adult. But there are startups and ventures out there that, you know, build apps that are like virtual pocket money. Mm. Um, but I think the issue when you just have virtual pocket money and not actual money is that it's not as relevant to the actual life and the dreams and the aspirations, the motivations of the kid and so they don't actually don't actually feel any pain because mm. it's just a simulated version of money and you know when you actually um have a digital bank account experience where inside you can manage all the goals that you're saving for and you can see how that actually affects your life as a 14 year old and 13 year old um, mm. you care a lot about that numeric pixel mm. as well got it yeah but I think it's I think it's great that you're saying like you know with regards to the gap platform that you're seeing zero right almost close to zero like financial scam incidences yeah we're seeing happening. a very small percentage nowadays yeah yeah, mm. yeah was there were there any um tweak as we understand um, obviously a big thing about fintech is just risk management and mm. you just got to get better at risk management it's all about that putting in a lot of measures to to have indications or patterns of you know, what might lead to, so you can find out kind of the, the prediction of what might be considered flagged out as suspicious or the accounts where um, there's just something funny with it. And and so that that's one thing. Uh, also just making it aware that there are, as harsh as it sounds like, punishments or penalties for people who, who do perpetrate and mm -hmm. have bad activity. And I think that's the teen community in Singapore is, um, word spreads around quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I guess people are just becoming more careful as well with what they shouldn't do and and i think the teens are just their literacy i i would say that since get has launched uh a lot of the teens generation has become a lot more literacy can be broken down into many things but one of the things has been just being financially uh, being aware of a lot of the concepts even the concept of a scam and mm. i think you know after the first wave of scams that happened people are aware that okay this is happening and yeah, they just picked up and adjusted really quickly so that's that's a good thing as well yeah. yeah, you're right. I think I think just in general, like in terms of like communities, just being able to share like, you know, what is the latest version of scams, getting people to know about it, getting them to, mm. you know, identify, like quickly be able to like, identify like what are some red flags or even orange flags. Mm. And sort of like allowing children to sort of maybe hone their intuition with regards to detecting scams. I think it's always a useful thing. And I think that parents can go a long way with regards to, to helping them with that. So even if they might not, you know, when we talk 
about financial IQ or even having the same level of literacy when it comes to identifying scams. I mean, maybe mm. parents might not be out there, but, you know, just sharing knowledge yeah. and helping children, the next generation, hone their intuition. Intuition, I think, is extremely important. Right. And it just being able to be intuitive about what looks wrong to you, what doesn't, mm. and even going into the intentions of why something is being shown to you in a certain way, I think is an incredibly important life skill. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's one that lasts relevant to the day. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, true, it's yeah, true. Yeah. But I mean, thank you so much for being on to talk about security for you know the younger generation and for our listeners who want to get on the Get platform. Um, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can search Get uh, on the um, iOS or Google Play Store by searching Get, uh, spelled G-E-T, and or www.useget.com, U-S-E-G-E-T.com. Cool. Thank you so much, Daniel, thank for you, being on again. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Many thanks as well to all of you out there for tuning in. This has been a fantastic conversation and we would definitely love to hear what you think about it. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us through the email podcasts at melisten.sg or at my Instagram at MissFitFi. Aside from that, if you enjoy what you're listening to and want to hear more, please help to spread and grow the show by subscribing on MeListen or Apple Podcasts or by following on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Finally, the Building Financial Fitness Podcast is an original production from Mediacorp and recorded at Scape Live Studios, The Pod, powered by Audio-Technica and City Music. Episode production is done by Junus Yu, with editing and support by Danny Cordy and Gareth Fernandez. Once again, I'm your host and BFF, Junus Yu. Until the next time.